Welcome to the Plan Bpreneur podcast. This podcast is for professionals, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to create greater income and impact. On the podcast, we explore strategies, tools, and techniques for creating multiple streams of income, launching your entrepreneurial dreams, and living a life of impact. We bring to you amazing guests and experts, as well as practical opportunities to help you achieve your entrepreneurial goals. This is the Plan Bpreneur podcast, and I am your host, Danny. Welcome, welcome back again, people. And today on this edition and this episode of the podcast, I'm super excited to bring to you our guest. Our guest is Claudius Member. Uh, Claudius Member is the Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of New. That's usenew.com. He's a speaker, tech entrepreneur uh, who advises early stage founders and aspiring entrepreneurs using some of the tips and tricks he's learned along the way. He has started a number of startups himself, so he has a story to share. He also has a background in software engineering. having previously worked as a top software engineer at Microsoft on Outlook, Cloud, Bots, and Emerging Technology. I believe that there is no better person to come to the show today to share with us uh, on strategies for creating your entrepreneurial adventure. Claudius, it's good to have you. Welcome. Hey, Demi. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Excited to get on the chat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's super, super good to have you. And again, one of the things I usually ask guests when they come on the show is to talk about what their favorite entrepreneurship quarters, right? And as you, as I was reading through your bio, I saw your standout at me right just there, you know? And you mentioned something about even going as fast, tattooing it on your arm. So let me let me do you the is, is it the honor of telling us what that quote is? And maybe if you have the story around why you tattooed it on your arm, give us a bit of it as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so the, the quote that I have tattooed on my arm, uh, it says, the sooner you start, the sooner you finish. And it's actually tattooed in Bash Script, so code. Um, the, the reason for that is that's actually my life mantra. Uh, I found that whenever there was something I wanted to accomplish in life, the sooner I got started, the sooner I finished it. Um, and that is to speak to all the entrepreneurs who, uh, and I've been there myself, who think that there is a perfect time to start, that they need to wait to all the chips align or uh, they do this one next thing. What I've recognized and realized is that in anything you do, generally, there are going to be unknown unknowns, things that you don't know you need to know. Um, and the only way to attack those or to come across those is to get started. Um, so you can do all the planning and preparation you you can, can uh, muster, you can spend a lifetime doing planning preparation. But the moment you get started, you are going to run into something that you didn't know that you didn't know you needed to know. And the best way to overcome that is just to go ahead and get started. So that's the reason I have that tattooed on my arm. Uh, the story behind that is just I uh, was in Barcelona for all, uh, of all places and had the desire to get a tattoo abroad and uh, walked into a shop. I speak a little bit of Spanish, walked into the shop and just talked to the uh, artist and and uh with my broken spanish was able to get something tattooed that actually looked well <laughs> oh cool oh cool i'm glad the but the artist was supposed to it was was able to put that um i, I understand your broken spanish i'm just curious if 
he wrote what he wrote in broken English or in actual English. But I guess much more than that symbol itself is a lesson that you just shared about. There will always be unknown unknowns, like you say. And one of the ways to actually overcome that is to get started because many people freeze at the point of starting and think that by delaying, it's going to get easier. But what you just said is delaying, it doesn't get easier. But once you start, you're able to figure it out. That's a good word. No, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to talk about um, your business, which is new, use new, you know, when I started to prepare to uh, bring you onto the podcast, I went and checked out usenew.com and I saw this innovative, interesting idea because I like this kind of innovation where you are solving a problem in an existing existing value chain, so to speak. So uh, the little I know about usenew, and I'm going to ask you a bit more about it, is I know you are, uh, that product is actually serving people that put their houses on the Airbnb platform, so providing cleaning services for them. But I'm just curious, you tell us more about this uh, product or this service at Use New, and how did you get into that? Uh, what's this all about? Who does it serve? Yeah, so New is a managed marketplace. Uh, you're correct in that we provide on-demand cleaning to homeowners, and our beachhead is actually vacation rentals, so focusing on Airbnbs, VRBO, uh, the like, so vacation rental owners, connecting them to local housekeepers who can clean before the next guest checks in. Um, my co-founder and I, Kwame, uh, are, have been working on this for four and a half years, and uh, I'll talk more about it, but New is uh, actually going through a little bit of a pivot right now. Um, in terms of the opportunity that we have been pursuing is uh, we believe as easy as it is to get a ride to a place, you should be able to get a clean for your space. So creating the marketplace, the gig economy marketplace for on-demand cleaning for uh, starting with vacation rentals and ex- eventually expanding into other adjacent verticals. Residential is the 900-pound gorilla, um, commercial, et cetera. Now that's We've brilliant. Been, as I mentioned, doing that for the last four and a half years, the way the idea came about was my co-founder, Kwame, um, who was an Airbnb host, he was running several different properties um, at once and while working a day job. And he recognized um, that cleaning was the hardest challenge that any Airbnb host has to face. As a host, you are in it because you want passive income. You want to create a life where you can travel and have your property earn money for you by having people stay there. But yet, when you come when you come into short-term rentals from long-term, you're trading um, you're trading being a landlord and now you're becoming a innkeeper. Um, and that the challenge there is now you have to clean after every guest stays and thus you're more tied to your property because you're having, while you have more, you can make more money because you're having more people come in. You also are tied to the property because you have to turn over the property. So cleaning we recognize was a, um, was a ball and chain for the homeowner who wanted to, again, make passive income. So, and this was again a problem that Kwame faced on his own. He was running multiple different properties. He recognized that, hey, if there was a way to outsource the cleaning, then he would have the free time to go do whatever else he wanted. Um, and so that's how the idea came about. He brought it up to me, and we had another co-founder uh, early on into business as well, in terms of uh, 
having me join on to build the technology to facilitate uh, managing the service providers going and doing the properties, as well as managing the homeowner's calendar to know when they have a clean. So we, as soon as you, we, we connect to a homeowner's booking calendar, as soon as you have a turnover, have a, someone coming in or someone checking out, uh, we send a cleaner to go clean right as soon as someone checks out. So it's automated and it's efficient and it's effective. And yeah, that's, that's the business and that's how I got started. Wow, I love it. And there's a lot of lessons and a number of things I'm curious about about what you just shared. Number one, the, the question I'm going to ask Bobby uh, is how what's the process of building a tech or platform based business like that or or, or uh, marketplace? What has it taken you to get that done? But before I sort of allow you to answer that question, I think there's a number of instructive things that I'm hearing from how this business got started. So essentially, like you're saying, um, your co-founder Kwame was trying to make this passive income and then uh, ran into the snag of uh, needing a service, right, essentially to uh, support that. And I think, uh, number one, there's, there's opportunities. It, it shows me that there's opportunities everywhere. There's opportunities um, for stuff that people are trying to do. And some of the times it's the, it's the problems that we even face ourselves that become this uh, breakthrough opportunities to, to recognize those patterns. But it's also the thing about passive income because people talk about passive income sometimes um, and there are different ways to, to have passive income. And what people think passive income means you will never lift a finger, right? Uh, but the truth is that <laughs> you, you have to put in place a system, you have to put in place a structure, whether you're doing that by yourself or whether you're doing mm -hmm. that through uh, a mechanism like what you all have created for Airbnb homeowners. So that's interesting. So, so tell me about the this building out this. You said you've been working on it for about four years now. Tell me about building up a tech product, a platform. Uh, what has that been like? Has it happened fast, as fast as you thought it would happen? Faster or slower? Or what's the experience? Yeah, certainly. And before I get to that, I want to make one comment. Um, there's this one common quote or, or uh, quip that uh, there's no such thing as passive income, uh, which means that that any income source that is worth uh, um, it's pursuing is definitely going to have some level of engagement or involvement that you need to be there. But you're right, you need to create the systems. That's that's what creates the passivity. If you can create the systems or hire the people to help manage that, then you have the ability to kind of have the passive. So I totally agree with you there. Um, as it goes back to new, um, in terms of building the platform, yeah, it, it's definitely been a, a great, I like to say a great learning experience. Uh, I came as... Um, I came to new as a um, software engineer from Microsoft. Um, so I had the experience, um, but I've never built something to the scale. And so there was a lot of learning in terms of me doing it. Like I said, you just got to get started. Um, a lot of the unknown, unknown stuff I learned on, along the way. Um, it took long. It's weird. It took longer than expected, but also because we also, as a company and a team, had um, didn't have as much access to resources as I would have wanted. And so we had to make do with what was available. Um, our engineering team has been um, it, it's been a very small, scrappy, um, agile team, and we've done a lot with the number of people we had. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it, it definitely took longer than I would have wanted, but it's understandable given the size of the team that we had. And then to speak a little bit more technically in terms of what we we leveraged, um, we knew that we wanted to build for a scalable scalable business. We wanted to have the technology to be able to scale as we expanded to different geos and regions. 
So we leverage early on technologies like Kubernetes, which allow you to build essentially a platform within a cloud infrastructure um, that allows things to scale. And um, so we were ready for scale from kind of day one. And that has been a really good help for our business. Love it. And I think no excuses, because even though you didn't, I, I mean, and this is saying to somebody who's trying to build a platform as well, no excuses, because even when you felt like you didn't have all the resources, you still went ahead and built it and you're here today and you are making that progress. Because again, it's the other um, perfection uh, tendency yeah. that people wait. So I had a conversation with someone this past weekend and they mm. have an idea that they're trying to put out is an edtech platform. But you know, I see, I, I have a little bit of tech knowledge and experience and I feel like there's ways they could scaffold that as opposed mm -hmm. to looking for a uh, heavy tech investment right from the start when they could yeah. be piloting or doing an MVP with. So I was like, okay, if I were you, I would do this differently. I would probably gradually move that up, right? No, but um, this is this is interesting. And, and I asked this question again, because I hear people talking about, hey, we want to build a platform that will connect hairdressers to people who want to make hair. We want to build a platform that, and, and the platform is their 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 own entrepreneurial dream and their venture. Mm -hmm. um, it's just worth knowing how much goes into it um, yeah. and how much uh, effort and time and the approaches to uh, to do. Yeah. So, and I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I was going to quickly. Would, yeah, how would you advise somebody just to quickly, who's trying to do that? Yeah. Gotcha. Go yeah, just to quickly add on that, I think um, you're right. There's no need to uh, jump in and try to build something perfect from the scratch. You want to be iterating and you want to be talking to customers as you're iterating. Uh, New definitely did that. And there's a lot of tools nowadays. When we started, again, four or five years ago, you got to recognize the technology changes so fast that uh, four or five years ago, there's a, lot, there's a lot of new technologies that allow you to get up and running quickly that didn't exist then. Um, and I'm speaking specifically for some of these no-code tools that allow you to build uh, an MVP of a platform, uh, especially if you're just looking to connect people. Um, that we didn't have at the time when we started. Um, and so if you're looking to do something simple as connecting, um, then I would definitely recommend, in any case, quite frankly, recommend just spinning up something simple. If you're just validating the idea, if you just want to see that there's demand, um, you can just be the service provider yourself in the sense where you have a landing page, uh, someone signs up saying, hey, I need a hairdresser. And then you call different hairdressers in your area and say, hey, I've got a customer who needs a hairdresser. Like that's a, that is something to be able to validate. It's it's a very low low technology approach and allows you to validate demand very quickly. Um, so that's what I would recommend to get started again to prove out the idea, prove out the concept. Don't uh, jump into building because uh, as a technologist, I I'm guilty of this myself, especially because I can do it. Um, I'm guilty of jumping in and building, but I have to recognize that uh, it's like regardless of of how well built it is, if you don't have customers who are interested. It's not going to, to take flight. Um, the other comment I, I wanted to make around, around um, yeah, the other comment I want to make around that was we had a very, um, we had an existing business in, in market when I started building the technology for new, and we had very unique use cases that we wanted to solve for. Um, so for example, when housekeepers went to, to actually complete the, the service, so like if you are familiar with Uber, Uber drivers 
when they complete the service, they just click a button saying, hey, I've done, I've done the, the ride. Um, but with housekeepers, homeowners wanted before and after photos. They wanted uh, um, reports about damage. So there was a lot more that we had to involve that uh, we, needed, we, needed, we knew we needed to build custom software for that. So in news use case, custom software was the right uh, approach because of the, the uniqueness of the business and the problems we were trying to solve. But for generic things like connecting somebody to someone else, that is something you can definitely use some off-the-soft technologies that are out there these days. Got it. I love it. That's uh, brilliant. So really thinking about the features and some of the uh, the requirements, so to speak, I guess is important, but also uh, not complicating things that could be simplified. One more question on this tech part, really. And you spoke about no-code uh, platforms. Uh, what's your What's your... Would you use no-code platforms to build web apps and what are the drawbacks and can you evolve from there or what are the positives um, and advantages, right? Like uh, if you're using no-code to build a web app like that, yeah. Yeah, again, um, like I said, I've been in the technology industry for a while now and um, just, just recently, I think within the last two, three years, I've been seeing a lot of really useful no-code solutions come about. And so to answer your question, 100% would definitely build something using no-code. Um, now that isn't going to be the end-all be-all generally, or eventually you want to move on to your own custom thing, but to get something started, to prove an idea, to validate demand, to validate interest, it is no-code I found has been one of the, the no, no or low-code, because quite frankly, there's yeah. always code, um, sure. has been one of the best ways to just get up and running quickly. As I, again, I, I go back to my to that mantra, the sooner you start. So whatever you can do to get started sooner, do that. Uh, there's no need to go um, burden yourself with all these other headaches and, and hurdles um, when you can get started sooner with something as simple as, even even a type form sometimes can be like a simple way to kind of validate demand. So yeah, we'll definitely do that. Um, there are a ton of them out there. And I think that the big challenge right now is that a lot of no-code solutions are are popping up uh, because I think a lot of people are seeing the the, the demand in this sector. Uh, there is, I think, what is it? Ninety nine percent of the of the uh, society is no is 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 uh, aren't coders. So pretty much like majority of people uh, are going to be using no to low code tools. And as a result, you're going to have. Uh, as a result, we've seen a lot of people wanting to build in that space. So I think the only difficulty people have right now is picking a tool. But what I found is once you find a tool, you get comfortable with it, just use it and, and it works. Love it. Love it. No, thank you for that advice. And I think this is useful for people listening, especially who are thinking about building something that as technology, because the truth is actually these days, there's almost nothing that you're building that doesn't have an element of technology to it. Oh yeah. And, um, and people see tech as the leverage, right? Even Yep. even for people that don't know a lot about it. So um, I think this is also demystifying the fact that there are different levels at which you can apply this from having like a simple landing page, like you're saying, to maybe a simple type form and um, integrating that with some sort of manual or service and going to a low-code platform or to a no-code platform. And then you have the... Uh, all-out custom solutions at the end of the sort of spectrum. But that's certainly helpful to build. And again, I, I guess this is one of the benefits we get from talking to you as a software engineer. And I'm curious, 
um, about your software engineering journey and your startup journey, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you're at this place where you're doing new. Um, where did you come from? What What have you? What did you do in the past? How did your path get into new? Yeah, certainly. As I mentioned earlier, I was uh, previously at Microsoft before coming to uh, jumping off and doing new. Um, and before that, I was in university. But my time at Microsoft, I spent two and a half years at Microsoft. Um, intentionally spent two and a half years at Microsoft um, learning to build scalable technologies. I wanted to, uh, when I graduated and got the job offer, um, I wanted to come to Microsoft because I knew it was a it was a place I could learn those skill sets. And as yet, and again, I was as I said, I was very intentional about learning a specific skill set so I could go uh, when I go back into startups, I could be more effective. Um, so that was the reason um, while at Microsoft, I worked on some amazing technologies and really got a breadth of experience there. So also some depth. I uh, worked on mobile applications, Outlook for iOS and Apple Watch. I uh, worked on uh, emerging technologies, Outlook for uh, Amazon Echo. I uh, worked on uh, some partnership teams where we helped uh, Microsoft partners unblock on Microsoft technologies, things like uh, our conversation as a platform, services, our bots, um, uh, ML, AI, uh, blockchain technologies. Uh, it was a really good experience in terms of um, getting a breadth of technologies under my belt as a result of working working there. Um, and when I felt I was comfortable with uh, the level of experience I had gotten in terms of learning how to build the technologies that um, I was working on at Microsoft, um, and it was actually nearing my two and a half year uh, time period, that's when Kwame again reached out and we connected on the idea of new and, and I jumped and went on to building that. Wow, nice. I, one of the things I love is the intention that you had. Um, and I think that intention helped you to maximize the exposure that you got or the things that you could put your hand on. And it sounds like you've worked on some of the coolest stuff we now enjoy from, is it the iOS and Eco? I know that. Um, yeah. So you, you must be proud of that. And I think that's uh, big stuff. It's really cool stuff. And I think this is just something to encourage people, especially who are trying to um, start something new or pivot into something along the line. I think the intentionality of learning and picking the kinds of experience or putting yourself in the place where you can get the kind of experience that you want to use for your dream down the line. Um, thinking two years down the line, thinking three years down the line, five years down the line, uh, because people do work for a number of reasons it might be just for sustenance you know pure sustenance but then uh there's also the fact that this is something that um is going to lead to another venture down the line so that intentionality is critical now i'm curious about this transition when kwame came how did mm -hmm. you know it was the right time right and how yeah. did you move across how did you jump across what was that like yeah, so as I mentioned, I, I told myself before I came coming to Microsoft that I didn't want to be there more than three years. And uh, again, it was very intentional because I know uh, big tech can be very comfortable. You can get very comfortable in being in big tech. They call it the golden handcuffs for a reason. Uh, the money is good. The, the, the lifestyle is, is comfortable. But I wanted to, while I'm young, make, uh, and also I have a very strong passion for startups, I wanted to make sure I got back into startups. So um, when Kwame came calling, it was nearing that three-year mark that I had mentioned. And so I had already started getting the itch to go do something entrepreneurial. Um, I loved Microsoft in terms of the work I did there, but quite frankly, I was 
feeling a lack of impact. Um, at big tech companies, again, you are one of hundreds of thousands of engineers. And it always felt like if I died tomorrow, Microsoft would just get another engineer to replace me. Um, and that's not to say anything about the company. Obviously, the company has to do its own thing. But it just felt like the impact there that I was making was uh, negligible. Whereas at a smaller company, I could make big impact. Uh, I mean, think about me being a new a CTO. If I were to up and die tomorrow, um, the company would definitely, uh, the impact would definitely be felt. Now, this is, that is not to say as an entrepreneur, you want to uh, hamstring your company and be the only, the, the bottleneck that if you were to be gone, the company couldn't, couldn't uh, function. But it's just uh, speaking on the impact component of being in a small company. So again, at that time, I was already kind of thinking about either doing my own thing or uh, finding something that was interesting enough for me to work on. And that's when, again, Kwame came uh, calling. Um, interesting enough, I, I worked with Kwame on nights and weekends for about six months before I made the jump fully. Not because I didn't believe in the idea, but because I had to tie up some loose ends at Microsoft. And I wanted to make sure that my transition from Microsoft was as smooth as possible. I'm always a, a big fan of making sure to... Uh, when you exit, uh, don't burn bridges. And so leave that door open and make sure that, uh, because again, you know, as you said, you never know when help or um, support could come from. So I wanted to make sure that I was doing right by Microsoft and my team as well to make sure that um, they were uh, left left feeling good about the, the transition and uh, my time there. And so that's how I did it. Well, that's, that's super thoughtful. I think in the approach that you took, like you're saying, um, and I think that's what you meant by tying up the loose ends, uh, making sure that you leave the door uh, open such that if you needed to, to, to come back or reach out, that would be easier. And I think one of the things that struck me as well about what you were saying was you wanted to make impact on a different scale, on a different level. And so um, that, in a way, played into the decision that you took to to leave right and so far how would you um say that this has worked out for you impact wise uh, dollar wise every wise you know like in terms of <laughs> would you would you look back to big tech because it's like you said it's it's very comfortable to to be back there yeah yeah no that's a very interesting question and i chuckle um only because i think when you um when you decide to be an entrepreneur versus an employee, you're making a lot of trade-offs. Um, employees have the general um, satisfaction of knowing that the employer is going to be able to, to pay them for their work. They're going to get paid for work. Um, and I wouldn't say it's certainty, but it's close to certainty. Uh, you can never be certain in this world, but it's, it's close enough. Um, as an entrepreneur, and then also you also know that you're, supposed to, you're going to be working a set number of hours uh, because that's part of your employment contract, whatever. Um, as an entrepreneur, you make different trade-offs. Uh, you are trading your time, um, at least for me, in terms of uh, my experience, you're trading your time uh, for the long-term payout. Um, so to answer your question, in terms of the uh, factors that I consider, an impact, new has definitely been a amazing experience. I would never... Uh, trade it for anything else. I've felt amazing in terms of the impact that I have on the team, uh, being able to mentor other engineers, hire and mentor other engineers, as well as build a product that actually uh, helps our customers and 
helps them fulfill their 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 goals. Um, that's been amazing. So impact is is bar none. Um, on the financial, that's where it's a little bit of a of a shaky. Obviously, like I said, you are investing in the long term, but short term, it's going to be very. Uh, it, it's going to look like a loss. Um, but again, that's why you have to have the right mindset coming into being an entrepreneur, uh, especially an early stage founder. You want to make sure that you're in it for the right reasons because if your reason is monetarily, uh, is your primary reason is monetary, that's not going to show up for a long time. And so that's that's something that you have to contrast. As I said, you're making trade-offs. Um, that's uh, where I would definitely say in terms of the the downsides of being an entrepreneur, it's in the financial payout. Um, obviously, we are, as a, my co-founder and I, as a team, uh, as a company, pay our employees, but ourselves in, in terms of uh, salaries, it's very, very uh, little to meager. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's, that is, uh, that would be my comment there. Like I said, you're making trade-offs and ultimately you have to decide what's, what is right for you and you have to find ways to maximize or to make Make it all worth it in the end. Um, the one thing I think about is uh, there's a fra- common framework out there that I believe Jeff Bezos has, has coined the regret minimization framework, which is that if you're on your deathbed in your 80s, uh, what will you look back at and, and regret having done? If you ask yourself, would I, would, in my 80s, would I regret not doing that startup or would I regret, um, would I regret foregoing that salary? Um, for me, it was not doing that startup. If I hadn't done the startup and I was in my eighties, I would have definitely regretted that part of life. And so um, that was an easy realization for me and made me want to do that. And it made me want to make the jump. And it continues to make me be um, bought into the long term. Um, I know that for me, I'm personally focused on the, the long term wealth. I like to say that as an employee, you can get rich. Um, but in terms of wealth and, and generational wealth and um, legacy, that is something that you see commonly see entrepreneurs doing. Um, some early stage employees can get that, but it's a, it is generally something that you have to get in early on something. Um, and so that is really what a founder is, is that, that the earliest of employees, earliest of believers on a vision and a mission. And thus uh, some, some outcomes, sometimes you get a good outcome as a result. Um, so that's where for me, the financial that's where the mindset comes in, in terms of the financial focus. Um, but day to day, I focus on the impact. I focus on the ability to do the work that I love and um, the, the, how I feel about what I'm doing. And it's always been uh, a positive, regardless of the ups and downs. It's always been, this is where I feel like I'm doing my best work. I love it. I love it. Lots of gems in that uh, that's, that last couple of sentences that you said but i remember you you, a number of things you talked about getting the motivation right uh being in it for the long goal uh you talked about legacy uh the importance of legacy and uh i think it's just encouraging for anybody who is starting to also know and it reduces the pressure uh because you know the comparison with where you're coming from with where you are right now if you are not prepared for that you might feel uh, like you, you're you're in the deep end too fast, and I guess it's. But it's also encouraging to hear this is building for the long term. This is building for the long goal. And that, I get. I guess one of the things that really struck me as well that I wanted to emphasize was this concept 
of the regret minimization framework to say, what is it right now that if you were 80, you would regret not doing? I think that's a wake up call in itself to say, hey, you, you haven't got all the time and uh, one day you're going to be 80 or you're going to be whatever, uh, you better do it right now. Now, Claudius, uh, mm-hmm. this has been a super, super rich conversation on many levels because uh, we just talked about what people trying to get into tech and build tech products can, uh, how they can make that journey sort of easier or, or how they can navigate that kind of option. But I guess we've also been learning about your own transitions, how you made sense of it, how you prepared for it intentionally, but also what you did um, where you left the door open, right, essentially, and um how you are you are you are thinking about the future and what makes it make sense for you certainly an encouraging conversation let me i have one more question really around um and it the time has gone so fast i i <laughs> can't imagine this happens all the time <laughs> uh yeah so um what are, what are some of the things that i'd like to ask this question uh what are some of the immediate things Almost like I don't want to use the word long term because you just talked about long term motivation and all that. But what are some of the practices or some of the tangible things, sort of in the short term, that keep you going, that encourage you, or that keep you grounded on this journey? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just uh, what I call refreshing by spending time with family, uh, spending time outdoors, doing um, things that I enjoy. Um, obviously, Burnout is real in this world, and so you have to make the time to uh, reset and refresh. Um, I'm also a big fan of just taking some quiet time to think, reflect. Um, so reflection is also a huge uh, way I get um, re-energized and, and uh, kind of get my mind right. Uh, I'm an athlete in, in nature, and so uh, tap into some of those habits I, I picked up while playing sports. Um, I would say beyond that, uh, Spending time with, with uh, loved ones, doing things that uh, we enjoy, movies, um, games, things like that are always great. Um, and then lastly, I would say just focusing on people. I'm a very big people person and just um, seeing the impact that I, that I can have on somebody, uh, whether it's their livelihood or just their career, um, really energizes me. And so I love to, I love to uh, give back but um, really pour into people. Brilliant. I love it. Your your story and the thread I hear continuously is just really the impact that you are passionate about making and how you're using all those different avenues to make this impact. Claudius, I'm excited, grateful to have been able to hang out with you and share this your story with our listeners. And I'm sure um, everybody, thank you for listening in and listening to Claudius Bemba's uh, story. If you want to learn more about Claudius and his work, uh, Claudius is at ClaudiusMember.com. Um, he has a website where you can check out all the stuff he does and then use new the venture that we spoke about where Claudius is the CTO is at usenew.com, N-E-U. Um, use mm-hmm. an EU here. Um, nice play of words. It's been a great time, people. Uh, till, uh, till I come your way next time, keep making that income and impact. And thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.